Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Acts. Hello, faithful listeners. Welcome to the Bible Explained podcast, where we discuss the Bible. So let's discuss the Bible today. We'll be in Acts chapter 14. And we did talk a little bit about Acts 14 on Thursday, but because we didn't go into it too much because I had my guest Greg Kokel on the podcast, I decided to also talk about the portion that we talked about on Thursday. So today we're going to be reading all of Acts chapter 14, and it's a pretty short chapter. It's only 28 verses, and the verses are short. And this chapter actually is one of my favorite chapters in Acts because of one specific reason, and I'll talk about that in a moment. Okay, so let's read Acts 14. I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. as usual. Make sure to grab your cup of coffee or your cup of tea and the version of the Bible that you prefer. In Iconium, they entered together into the synagogue of the Jews, and so spoke that a great multitude both of Jews and of Greeks believed. But the disbelieving Jews stirred up and embittered the souls of the Gentiles against the brothers. Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who testified to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. When some of both the Gentiles and the Jews, with their rulers, made a violent attempt to mistreat and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to the cities of Laconia, Lystra, Derby, and the surrounding region. And there they preached the good news. At Lystra, a certain man sat, impotent in his feet, and crippled from his mother's womb. He had never walked. He was listening to Paul speaking, who, fastening his eyes on him and seeing that he had faith to be made whole, he said with a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. He leapt up and walked. When the multitude saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voice, saying in the language of Laconia, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. They called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercury because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Jupiter, whose temple was in front of the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and would have made a sacrifice along with the multitudes. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it, they tore their clothes and sprang into the multitude, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of like passions with you and bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to worship the living God who made the sky, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who in generations gone by allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he didn't leave himself without witness, in that he did good and gave you rains from the sky and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Even saying these things, they hardly stopped the multitudes from making a sacrifice to them. But some Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But as the disciples stood around him, he rose up and entered into the city. On the next day, he went out with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the good news to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, and strengthened the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and that through many afflictions we must enter into God's kingdom. When they had appointed elders for them in every assembly and had prayed with fasting, they commanded them to the Lord on whom they believed. They passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, from where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work which they had fulfilled. When they had arrived, 
and had gathered the assembly together, they reported all the things that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith to the nations. They stayed there with the disciples for a long time. So the part I found really funny about this is the fickleness of the crowds. Like first they're worshiping Paul and Barnabas. And then shortly after, they're like trying to stone Paul and Paul just gets up and goes back into the city, which I just love that story. I love it because of the the complete boldness that Paul had. Like he was unafraid to go back into the city after they literally had just stoned him. So to start out, verses one through seven talk about Paul and Barnabas arriving in Iconium. And that's actually where Acts chapter 13 ended was with Paul and Barnabas going to Iconium. And now they are in Iconium. And so immediately what they do is they go over to the synagogue of the Jews to preach the gospel to all of the Jews at the synagogue. So it says in verse one that they spoke so that a great multitude of both Jews and Greeks believed. But in verse two, the disbelieving Jews stirred up and embittered the souls of the Gentiles against the brothers, of course. That, that's always what happens whenever we see the apostles uh, spreading the gospel. At some point in time, a certain sect of Jews become very angry at the apostles or the disciples for spreading the gospel because they don't want to hear that Jesus was the Messiah. However, because it's the truth, many people did believe. That's what it says in verse one. A great multitude, both of Jews and of Greeks, believed. So regardless of how many people disliked the gospel, it was still effective. It was still going to reach people. And so that's how it is today as well. There are many people in America who very greatly dislike the message of the gospel because the gospel is telling people that they are sinners and that they need a savior. And people just don't want to hear that they have sin. You know, they, they don't want to hear that they're not perfect. And so that's why the whole like self-love movement is so popular right now is because people, it's, it's just much easier to hear that, that you are perfect just the way you are and you need to love yourself and whatever. And you should just be able to do whatever you want to do instead of hearing the gospel message, which is no, you are not perfect. You can't do whatever you want to do, because if you do, you are not going to go to heaven after you die. You're not going to have eternal security unless you believe that a savior came to save you from your sins and if you turn from those sins. So the gospel message is never very popular, but because it's the truth, it still brings many people in. It makes people interested. And so no matter how much people disliked Paul and, and Barnabas's uh, message, it didn't matter. It was the truth and it was going to attract people. So it says that the multitude of the city was very divided part side with the Jews and part with the apostles, because it also mentions in verse three that God actually gave healing abilities to Paul and Barnabas and also miracles to them. People were seeing all these signs and wonders happening and they were turning towards God. But of course, the other people who didn't like the gospel message were trying to get people on their side. So it says what happened here is that all of Iconium became split. Part of it sided with the apostles and the other part of it sided with the Jews is what it says. So the entire city was extremely divided over the apostles and over the gospel message. So what ended up happening, of course, when when things are divided, 
you know, tensions get worse and worse. It says that some of the Jews and some of the Gentiles with their rulers made a violent attempt to mistreat and stone Paul and Barnabas. So tensions got so bad, the side that hated Paul and Barnabas became so angry and so divisive and just wanted to attack Paul and Barnabas that that's what they decided to do. They decided to try to kill Paul and Barnabas. So what happened was Paul and Barnabas became aware of it and they fled to the cities of Laconia, which were Lystra and Derby. So even though Paul and Barnabas stayed for as long as they could at Iconium, eventually they had to leave. And so their next area was this area of Laconia named Lystra. So now they're in Lystra, they're preaching in Lystra. And it says that there was a crippled man in Lystra who had faith because of the gospel message. And he was crippled from his mother's womb. So he was born crippled for some reason. He was just born with some sort of disease that made him crippled and he had never walked before. And so he was listening to Paul and he started gaining faith. Paul was looking at him while he was speaking and Paul was able to discern that this completely crippled man was ready to walk. Like he had enough faith to be able to walk. So Paul stops his speech and looks at the crippled man. And he said with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And it says that the crippled man leapt up and walked. So you can really see that this man, like this crippled man, was like ready to go. <laughs> like he he definitely had the faith because he didn't just like stand up slowly. Like he, as soon as he got the command, he leapt up and walked like he was ready and rearing to go <laughs> to start walking and so it was probably written all over that man's face like that crippled man that uh he really wanted to walk and that he had faith to walk and paul recognized that and so commanded the man to walk and so of course the people of lystra see this miracle happen they are so excited about this miracle because they believe now that Paul and Barnabas were Jupiter and Mercury, okay? <laughs> so they're just like, oh my gosh, Paul and Barnabas are our gods. You know, they just performed this miracle. That's only something a god could do. And so they're definitely our gods. Now, depending on the version you read of scripture, it might actually say Zeus and Hermes instead of Jupiter and Mercury. But that's because, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, it didn't matter because the gods were the same. So Zeus was the same god as Jupiter and Hermes was the same god as Mercury. Okay. It just depends on what language you're reading it in. So the Romans would call Zeus and Hermes Jupiter and Mercury, whereas the Greeks would call Jupiter and Mercury Zeus and Hermes, which by the way, the god Zeus or Jupiter is also just Baal from like the Old Testament. It's pretty interesting. It's, it's the same God just recycled throughout the ages. Pretty interesting. So anyway, it says that they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercury because he was the chief speaker. So they're like, gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And so <clears throat> they start speaking in their own language, which was the language of Laconia. This means that Paul and Barnabas did not know what was being said, 
Okay. And so they see the excitement of the crowd, of the multitudes. And, you know, the multitudes are speaking in their own language. Paul and Barnabas don't really know what's going on. Maybe they are excited because they think the crowd is excited over this miracle that had just happened, you know, and that their hearts are turning towards Yahweh and towards Jesus. So maybe they're like, yeah, you know, look, look, the crowds are so excited and they don't know what's going on. So the crowds speaking in their own language start bringing out all of these like offerings and stuff. Okay, (laughs) so the the chief priest of the temple of Jupiter or Zeus, okay, comes out and he's wearing all this garland and he has these like idols with him and these garlands and he's bringing out cattle and stuff. And so suddenly Paul and Barnabas, who don't know exactly what's going on, realize what is going on when the chief like priest of the temple of Zeus or whatever comes out. Paul and Barnabas are like, "Uh uh-oh, this isn't good. And so so what happens is Paul and Barnabas now realize that the people think that they are gods, right? So Paul and Barnabas rip their clothing, which back in these days, that was a show of grieving, like mourning over something. So they rip their clothing, which that was a good way to handle this, I think, because You know, if the people of the city think that Paul and Barnabas are gods, certainly in their mind, a god wouldn't be mourning worship, right? So Paul and Barnabas start by ripping their clothes and being like, no, no, no. Like, why are you doing this? And so they literally said, men, why are you doing these things? We are also men with the same passions that you guys have. You know, we just are here to bring you the good news of Jesus, And so then Paul says that you should turn from these vain things to the living God who made the sky, the earth, the sea, and and all that is in them. So I like that Paul, even though I I think a lot of people would think that this is very harsh, that Paul was like, these things you're doing right now are actually worthless. They are vain. I really like it because Paul calls it out as something that is vain and turns them to the real God who is not vanity, right? God who made the earth, the sea, the sky, and all that is in them. So don't worship men. Don't worship creation. Worship the creator is what Paul is saying. God who in the generations gone by allowed the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he didn't leave himself without witness in that he did good and gave you rains from the sky and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. So a lot of people, I think, who question Christianity or even criticize Christianity will say, well, what about people, you know, who never heard the gospel before? Will God just send them all to hell, you know, because they never heard the gospel before? But Paul answers that question right here. God hasn't left people without witness of him. And so there's evidence of God everywhere you look in nature. God created all these wonderful things to be enjoyed by us. He gave us food. You know, when we plant a garden, when we put a seed in the ground, we don't do anything to that seed, right? We put it in the ground and we water it a few times. And that's literally all we do. Maybe we'll put some like compost on top of it, but that's about it. And yet the seed turns into a 
huge tomato or zucchini or whatever seed it was. It turns into the fruit of that seed. And it's amazing. Like, how can a huge tomato plant come from just one tiny tomato seed? It's because God did that. God created these things for people to enjoy and to be fulfilled with. And so God shows himself to us in many, many different ways. And Jesus also states a verse. If you seek me, you will find me. So that means that people who have never heard the gospel before, if they are seeking it, if they are seeking God, if they are looking at nature and being like something had to have created this, if they are seeking that knowledge, God says that they will find that knowledge. So Paul states all these things to the people and it says that they could hardly stop the multitudes from making a sacrifice to them. So they did stop. But it took a lot of effort from Paul and Barnabas and the multitudes barely stopped. But I really like this verse right afterward. But some Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul. (laughs) It's like the next verse. So they go from like worshiping Paul a week early. I don't even know how many days earlier. They, They go from like worshiping Paul and Barnabas and trying to sacrifice to them to literally stoning Paul in the street. And so this shows the fickleness of humanity, like the fickleness of people. So I'm sure a few people did turn to the message of the gospel in Lystra, but as a whole, the people just held on to their vanity. They held on to their vain ways. And so, of course, they were going to listen to whoever and whatever sounded good. And so these Jews, these bigwigs from Iconium, who followed Paul and Barnabas down to Lystra specifically to persecute them, kind of like how Paul used to do back when he was Saul, you know, and how he was like traveling all over the place to persecute the Christians. These Jews are now doing it to Paul and Barnabas. And so it says they ended up stoning Paul and they dragged his body out of the city, supposing that he was dead is what it says in verse 19. So the disciples stood around Paul and he rose up and entered into the city. So we have no clue what happened here. We don't know if Paul died and was raised back to life because of the faith of the disciples. We don't know if Paul just didn't die and God like miraculously saved him from that stoning. We don't know exactly what happened here. But we do know that Paul boldly went back into the city after practically being dead. And I, I, th- this, this chapter just really stands out to me because as somebody who is relatively fearful, I think, and relatively anxious for the most part about pretty much everything, especially sharing the gospel, actually, seeing this story makes me really excited because if Paul, a man just like you and I could do it, could boldly spread his faith and share the gospel and walk back into the city after being stoned, then certainly we can do it as well. And so he does that. He walks back into the city. (laughs) Of course, he leaves the next day. But I think it was important for Paul to go back into the city to show the people that God is more powerful than anything. So the next day, it says that he went out with Barnabas to Derby, and I bet you Paul was hurting. (laughs) I wonder if he was like achy after 
after that entire thing. I imagine he was. He probably had to like recoup a little bit after going to Derby. So it says that uh, they preached the good news to that city, to Derby, which was in this same area of Laconia, by the way. And yet this city, Derby, actually accepted the message of the gospel from Paul and Barnabas. It says they preached the good news to that city and made many disciples. And after that, they returned to Lystra. So they actually went back to Lystra, you know, the place where Paul had just gotten stoned. And then they went back to Iconium, the place where at the very beginning of this chapter where they almost got stoned by the Jews. And then they went home to Antioch. Remember Antioch, the big city with the the very first early Gentile church. And it says that when they went to Antioch, they strengthened the souls of the disciples there, exhorting them to continue in the faith and that through many afflictions, we must enter into God's kingdom. And that's something that Jesus says. He says, don't be shocked when many trials come your way, because that's what's going to happen when you're a Christian. You are going to have trials and tribulations when you are a Christian. But God is going to preserve you. He's going to take care of you. And uh, there's this lady I like to listen to. Her name is Barbara O'Neill. A lot of people think that she's a quack, but I really like her. (laughs) I think she's pretty interesting. And I like listening to some of her lectures. But I was listening to one of her lectures and uh, she was talking about death. And she basically said, you know, if God takes me tomorrow, awesome. Like, that is so exciting for me. But... If God decides that I'm going to live tomorrow, then there's nothing that can stop me from not living tomorrow. And either way, it's really good, you know, because God has your life in his hands. And whether or not he decides to transport you to another life, to heaven earlier, then that's a good thing. But if he decides that you're needed for another day, then there's nothing that can ever, ever make you not live for that day. And I thought that that was really cool. And so it's it's true. You know, even though we're going to have many trials, many tribulations, and just like Paul did, where he was like stoned, God said, no, Paul, it's not your time yet. And Paul didn't die because it wasn't his time to die yet. So it's kind of encouraging. And, and this is kind of what uh, Paul is mentioning to the disciples in Antioch. And so they are just encouraging each other. It says they prayed, they fasted, and commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. So then after this, in verses 24 to 28 to conclude, it mentions that they went on a second missionary journey to Pisidia and Pamphylia. They spoke the word in Perga. They went down to Italia, and then they sailed back to Antioch. So it's another missionary journey mentioned very quickly in just a couple chapters or in just a couple verses here. And it says after that, they reported all the good things that God had done with them and that he had opened a door of faith to the nations. And so on this journey, it says they stayed there with the disciples for a long, long time. So that's where Acts chapter 14 ends is with Paul and Barnabas back in Antioch with the big church, basically back in their home and how God had done all these wonderful things through the missionary journeys of Paul and Barnabas, and how God preserved them and protected them through it all, as well as opening a door of faith to the nations. 
Alrighty, faithful listeners. Well, I will see you all tomorrow for season seven, because today is the last episode of season six. We are going to be in 1 Samuel starting tomorrow. So I'll see you guys then for season seven. Happy listening and God bless.